Hello and welcome. Here to Lead is for leaders who are looking for practical insight and hands-on tools and advice on how to unleash the power in their leadership to get things done. I'm your host, Kelly Barkabas. Let's get started. You're a leader. So what? Being a leader is more than the position you hold, the degree you've earned, or the size of your company, department, or team that you manage. Being a leader is much more than appearances, fancy corner offices, or impressive titles and salaries. Let's be honest, being a leader is only useful, practical, and meaningful when it is used to get things done, to move people forward, to create change, to build where there was nothing. Here to Lead is a podcast for leaders, whether you are experienced or new, aspiring or accomplished, and you want practical insight, hands-on tools, and advice on how to unleash the power in your leadership, the power you need to execute strategy, affect change, and drive results. Because after all, that's what we're here for. My name is Kelly Bargabas, and I'm a successful finance and operations executive who also loves to write, witness, and give voice to ideas, and I would love to share my experience, my observations, and some real-life examples and stories to transform your leadership from an idea on paper to a powerful force. So let's dive right in. I'm so excited to be here with you today and introducing this podcast, Here to Lead, to you. And I just want to, in this introduction, give you some background about myself, who I am, and why I'm qualified to talk about leadership, and also to give you some background on how this podcast, this topic, came to be for me. A few years ago, I found myself in the middle of a midlife crisis. I suddenly found myself divorced after being with the same man for 25 years, and it took quite a bit of unraveling to separate our lives. It was just a few months later that the company I worked for decided to close the office I had been based in for the past 10 years, which was in uh, Skinny Atlas, New York, which is outside of Syracuse, and they decided to move the operation to their headquarters in Boston. I had an opportunity to move with that same company uh, for a new position, and so I took it. I figured it was a good chance to run away from all the sadness that had settled in me and my empty house. So I packed up and sold my dream home that I had lived in for the last 12 years and moved to a city where I didn't know anyone. And so it was in a very short period of time I experienced four of the top five life stressors, right? They say that divorce, selling your house, changing jobs, moving to a new city, all of that are the top stressors in life. And I experienced all of them in a pretty short period of time. So I I spent plenty of time listening to my playlist of sad songs, emotionally cutting while drinking wine and wallowing and typical midlife crisis questions like, why am I here? Why did this happen to me? Who am I? What does it all mean? And I'm sure you're probably wondering right now, like, what does all this have to do with leadership? But just stay with me. I'll get there soon, I promise. Right around the same time that I moved to Boston um, for this new position, I started dating this boy that I had known in high school. We both found ourselves divorced after long marriages to other people, and we started talking on the phone, and um, really, it's a great story about how we reconnected and fell in love. Um, the only problem was he was in San Diego, California, so he was on the opposite coast. I was in Boston, and we dated long distance for 
almost two years. And then we realized that it was really hard to love someone in a different time zone and on a different coast. Something had to change. So less than two years after I had divorced, changed jobs, sold my home and moved to a strange city, I moved again across the country to another strange city where this time the only person I knew was my boyfriend. Now, you know, because of all that, I found myself in the middle of a mid-career crisis. And let me explain that. And I, trust me, it, it is relevant to what we're talking about. I had to start over professionally. And looking for a new job in my hometown would have been much easier. People knew me. I had a track record. I had a large network of family and friends and friends of friends and former co-workers that were sprinkled throughout the city in different companies. Um, the company I left in Boston, I loved. It, I was thriving there and in that position. I was vice president of finance for a diamond brand, and uh, I really loved it. But moving to San Diego, I did not have a professional network. I didn't know anyone professionally. So I was faced with having to sell myself to people who had no idea who I was or what I was capable of. And I found out very quickly at my small kitchen table in Pacific Beach that I would need to answer those same nagging questions that I had from my midlife crisis, I had to ask them professionally if I was going to find my next job. Who was I? It didn't take me too long to answer that question while I was a leader. Yeah, that of course, I'm a leader. But I couldn't help but wonder, so what? What kind of leader was I? That question took longer to answer and required some real effort and work on my part. So I spent some time defining what type of leader I had become throughout my career. But the questions kept rising in me. You know, one led to another. After I defined what type of leader I was, I still found myself asking, so what? Why should an organization hire me? What is it that I can do for them? What value do I add as this type of leader? And so I really began the work of excavating and digging up and carving away until a form began to emerge. I was far enough along in my career when this crisis hit to know that I was a leader, but I had never gone through the process of defining what that meant to me. I've, I had never had to. I had a static image of my career, my resume. I had a job lined up before I graduated from college, and I started out my career as a fixed asset accountant at a company called CIS, and this company leased computers to businesses. This was a real thing in the 80s. This was 19, I think it was December of 1988, and two weeks after I started there, the company filed for bankruptcy. I didn't know enough then to really do any due diligence before I took the job, and there was a lot of um, issues at the company, obviously, and so they filed bankruptcy right after I started. And a handful of the executives started their own business, and I moved with them to a staff accountant position at the startup company, which was a great experience, but lasted less than a year before that company folded. So I was one year out of college, and my career was floundering. And my boss at the startup referred me to a partner at a local public accounting firm called Pasquale & Bowers. And so I started there uh, in January 1990. And of course, anybody who's worked in public accounting knows I was instantly immersed in busy season. So working 12-hour days and weekends at a, at a firm of all male partners at a time when um, women were not allowed to wear pants. Seriously. I could not wear pants. I had to wear dresses and suits with skirts. And I can remember trudging around winter in upstate New York from one client to another with my black, big black heavy audit bag and cold air blowing up my pantyhose legs as I fill up my car with gas. 
for real. Thank God that's changed. I studied for the CPA exam, and over the next five years, I passed all four parts, got my certification, and, you know, I had been through five busy seasons at that point, so that was enough. And I moved to a job at a large uh, publicly traded cooperative called Agway, and over the next 12 years, I moved among business units and positions and followed a traditional path of accounting roles, um, analyst roles. I worked in their corporate reporting department where I did the 10K and the quarterly filings and consolidated all the business units. And then I actually moved into a business unit as the assistant controller. Um, I managed people. I managed a big department of accountants. And I eventually grew restless with accounting, and I took an operations position after I convinced the CEO that I was the right person for that job. He was concerned that a woman wouldn't be able to earn the respect of all the male truck drivers and technicians in the field. So luckily, he gave me the opportunity to prove him wrong. And I loved, I learned that I loved operations, and I began to develop my problem-solving skills in that role. But unfortunately, this cooperative had a long history of financial difficulties, and they eventually filed bankruptcy and sold off divisions. And after numerous restructuring plans, my position was eliminated. Six weeks later, I was hired as CFO at a small diamond brand in Skinny Atlas, New York, that had recently been purchased by a large diamond brand out of Boston called Hearts on Fire. A couple of years in, I became COO and was responsible for all aspects of the operation except for sales and marketing, which was great. I loved it. I loved the industry. And it was the same company that I moved to Boston with um, right before I moved to San Diego. And so you can, my resume and my work experience was solid. I was a CPA with a finance and operations background, and I had held a variety of positions in different industries, public, private, small, large, um, entrepreneur-owned. And so it looked really good on paper, you know, back to my career crisis of having to find a new job in in San Diego. But it was still a static image, and I, I struggled with what it all meant and what I should do with it. I answered the who I am question, but... Why was I here? Again, I, okay, I've got all this experience. I'm a leader, so what? So I I really kept digging and started to ask, what type of leader am I? And one answer to a question begged another. And, you know, I asked myself, what was I good at? What did I like to do? Why should someone pay me to be a leader in their company? And I had to keep really working at it and go through this process before I could answer those questions. And the answers that I found is is really solidified for me what I've come to believe about myself, about leadership, and where the true power in leadership lies, which is the ability to use our leadership to execute strategy, affect change, and drive results. And if you haven't noticed yet that L-E-A-D is an acronym Leadership to Execute Strategy, Affect Change, Drive Results, L-E-A-D. So this is not another podcast about becoming a good leader. There are plenty of those by inspiring leaders and authors. You should listen to those. You should read all the books. I have. I've studied leadership my whole career. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the next episode. But this podcast is for all of us that are somewhere on the leadership spectrum, experienced or new, aspiring or accomplished, and are looking for practical, hands-on tools that will unleash the power in your leadership.
And that's what we're going to talk about in this podcast. My professional crisis let me see who I really was as a leader and what I was capable of. And my hope is that you can use what I've learned and discover what you know and believe about leadership for yourself without having to go through the crisis, of course. And I truly believe that authentic leadership is the most critical skill that will allow us to execute strategy, affect change, and drive results. So in the episodes that follow, we will discover together this practical insight, these exercises and tools. We'll listen to some stories and we'll transform our leadership from a static idea or image on paper, from a resume to a powerful force. After all, that's what we're here for. And, you know, for me, I'm so grateful for this crisis that I went through because it did allow me to learn all these things about myself, um, especially professionally, and to really be able to begin to articulate and formulate um, my thoughts on leadership and why it's important. You know, there's a quote by Leonard Cohen that says, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. You know, that just really spoke to me because it was this crisis and it was the cracks in me from that crisis that allowed this light, this illumination to come into my life and allow me to to see things um, that I hadn't really given uh, conscious thought to before. And, uh, you know, it's funny, my, my dad is always a voice inside my head and he is really a king of dad jokes and puns and he has this way of unloading wisdom and one-liners that contain really unique metaphors and analogies that you know generations today may not even understand or get because he'd say things like I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger with an itch or that guy could screw up a two-car funeral or I've also heard him say many times that you only find out what you're really made of in times of crisis. He would say, when the pressure's on and the heat is rising, that's when you see the cracks. And he was talking about an engine, of course, but also people. Overheating and stressful operating conditions can cause cracks to develop in a car's cylinder head. And when a cylinder head is damaged or cracked, it could start to vent exhaust directly into the engine, which would then cause smoke to billow out from under the hood. And then, you know, everybody can see the smoke is a telltale sign that your car has been under enough heat and stress to cause cracks in the head. And, I, you know, I think about that and I think about this quote from Leonard Cohen and I realized that that's how it was with me. It was during this crisis, this period of intense heat and pressure that allowed me to see these things that I share with you for myself. My crisis not only showed me where my cracks were, it allowed me to understand my strengths and what I, what I was capable of. It was this crisis that led me to understand what I believe about leadership. So I hope you'll tune in and we can go on this journey together and we are going to discover what kind of leader you are. We're going to develop an elevator pitch of leadership so that you can internalize it and then you can communicate it to anybody who asks or wants to listen. We're going to talk about what it takes to execute strategy and how to drive change in your organization or team. And finally, we're going to talk about how to get results. And there's going to be so much um, in this podcast. I hope you'll join me. You can visit my website, kellybargabas.com slash podcast for more information or to reach out to me. And if you got anything out of this today, please review, share, subscribe. I'd appreciate it. Thanks. We'll talk soon.